Hello and welcome everyone to the Frankly Speaking on Fridays podcast. I am your host, Frank Pador, and it is uh, it is January 8th, 2022 at 5.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And what a week it has been. Uh, early off into the new year and uh, things are um, going differently than what I would want and expect and that's kind of a part of life how well how things uh they change uh and they they always change and how life is very unexpected and sometimes for the better but generally sometimes it's for the worst and this past week has been for me personally a bit on the on the downside and I'll get into that as to why. But I hope you, dear listener, whoever and wherever you are, it has been a good week for you. Maybe you're making uh, that progress and that uh, keeping to that commitment that you want for those New Year's uh, resolutions. That you're, you're succeeding within the career that you are striving for, wanting to strive for, even if it's just small steps. You're just... You play a couple of notes. You, you, um, I don't know, you learned a new program. You went ahead and decided, you know what? I'm going to commit just a half hour every single day to this. And you do it. And you commit to it. That's improvement. That is what you should always strive for. And if you're not doing it so far, that's okay. It's still the beginning of the, of the year. Tomorrow is a new day. You can begin then. Again. Even if it's just once a week, that's better. But slowly integrate what you want more and more and strive into the career and the path that you want. Do it. You can. I know you can. I believe in you. And sometimes all we need is just one person. But there you go. I hope you all had a lovely, lovely week. Uh... Myself, wait, nope, we're getting into the podcast. Um, as always, uh, let us commemorate this podcast. Episode 17, my goodness. It is interesting, 17. And yes, I understand that um, it's Saturday right now for a podcast, which is called On Friday's Podcast, but I'll get into, um, I'll get into why it has been delayed. So uh, here's to you. My dear listener, here's to me, um, my dear speaker, host, MC, meh, and here's to the podcast. Cheers. Cheap <laughs> vodka. All right, so here's the deal. Um, This week has been interesting. It's been down for me. It has been very down for me i took some steps backwards and progressing in some ways that i want to and that i know that i need to one of those ways is um <clears throat> actually no let's just say what happened last friday was you know fine new year's everything has been going good and dandy for the most part uh streaming has been more regular there's now a schedule up uh mostly uh for for my uh, streaming, but um, 
<clears throat> what has been more personal, I suppose, as to what's been happening within my daily life is, um, one, I've been a little more on the downside, just kind of in general, I feel that this job is stagnant, so that's bringing me down despite efforts in which to keep it going, keep it moving. Uh, and of course I have the support of my roommate, which has been great. But the thing that really brought me down, and if you were part of my stream on the 6th, and you already know, but for those of you who don't, because I know there's a couple of people who listen to this podcast that are overseas, there was someone who passed away on the 5th, and word of his passing didn't get out until the next day, the 6th. Uh, Avenger, who some of you may or may not know, friend of mine, uh, sent me and Shelby a text saying, Hey, so, um, just got word that, uh, that he passed. And yes, I know I'm saying he, I'll say who it is soon. Can't, couldn't really do it without, without saying his name. But from this man passing, it, it made me realize a couple of things, uh, and all things which, uh, ultimately brought me down and, my grieving process is, well, drinking. So I've been, past couple of days, been drinking more than what I would want. Uh, but I said, you know, yesterday uh, to Shelby, you know, not a, I'll get back on the horse. I'll get back to being productive. I'll get back to, you know, drinking more water and not having a drink until, you know, evening 5 p.m time which the shot that i did right now was indeed the first one uh for today so the man that passed away was dale clevenger and for those of you who don't know who dale clevenger is he is a french horn player a towering icon within not only the music world but within the horn playing community. When I say horn, I mean French horn, not like trumpet or bugle, anything of that nature. Flugel horn? No, the French horn. And he was my last mentor that I had. He was my uh, private instructor that I had for two and a half years when I was getting my master's degree at Indiana University's Jacobs School of Music. And it's one thing to think, you know, your, your teacher passed away. Yeah, it's sad, and it is, but it goes a little bit deeper than that. Like I said, he was a towering icon, someone that I listened to play horn all throughout my childhood. Uh, ever since I could remember, and living in the northwest suburb of Chicago, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra was always talked about, and he was the principal horn of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra for 47 years. So there wasn't a time that I don't remember when it came talking about the CSO or the French horn, especially when I first started playing French horn. His name was always there, was always mentioned. Uh, even in the uh, horn choir that I I played in, the community horn choir, uh, like we always spoke and talked about Dale Clevenger, because he was the man. So when I got accepted 
to Jacobs back in 2018 when I found out. Um, I I was shocked, first of all, because I I went on audition there just on a whim. I didn't think I'd get out, uh, get in. I just I I wasn't expecting it, and meeting him was was great. But um, his passing took everyone by shock. There are even people who are just now coming out and expressing their sympathies and, and their shock as well of him passing. It hasn't been announced yet as to what he passed of, and I'm not going to assume. The only thing that I would want is that he went peacefully in his sleep. But my time with with Professor Clevenger was um, was brief but impactful and inspiring. There are those people that come into your life every so often, and no matter how small of a time that they were there with you, um, they just either it's how they are with their body language, how they present themselves, how they know what to say, when to say it. It's those people that stand out in your mind. And he was exactly that to me. So before I dive in further as to, you know, what and why he meant what he did to me, um, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra published a article on their website, which, of course, any any link that I share on uh, the this this podcast will uh, be present and shared with um, with you all. So, for those of you joining the live stream, there is the article that I'll be referring to and reading to right now. And for those of you who are listening to this, either on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, it will be in the description below in case you wish to read it or reference it for yourself. But the Chicago Symphony Orchestra came out with an article two days ago on January 6, 2022, written by Frank uh, Villella, is how I'm going to attempt to not butcher his name which is entitled Remembering Dale Clevenger, 1940-2022. to And they write, The Chicago Symphony Orchestra family mourns the loss of Dale Clevenger, who served as principal horn from 1966 until 2013. He died Wednesday, January 5th, 2022, in Italy, at the age of 81. Mr. Clevenger was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on July 2nd, 1940, a legend in the world of French horn for his sound technique, finesse, and fearless music making, he joined the CSO at the invitation of 7th music director Jean Martinon. Martinon. I'm just going to say John. It's either Jean or John. It's probably Jean. Excuse me, I'm overthinking it. Anyway, it continues. Throughout his 47-year tenure, he performed under subsequent music directors Sir George Solti, Daniel Berenbaum, and Ricardo Muti, along with title conductors 
uh, Pierre Boulez, Bernhard Heitink, uh, Carlo Maria Giulini, and Claudio Abando, among countless guest conductors. I know I'm butchering those names. I'm horrible with names. Please forgive me. <laughs> Quote, the loss of Dale Clevenger, one of the best and most famous horn players of our time and one of the glories of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, leaves a very deep void in the music world. End quote, Maestro Muti said in a statement. Quote, fortunately, we have many audiovisual recordings of him with the Chicago Symphony to show his extraordinary technique and nobility of music phrasing. I am certain that all his colleagues, former and current, all horn students and myself, as we were personal friends, will mourn this huge loss. End quote. A versatile musician in many areas, including chamber music, jazz, commercial recordings, and as soloist, Mr. Clevenger frequently credited his mentors Arnold Jacob, CSO Principal Tuba, 1944-88, and Adolf Budd. Herseth, CSO Principal Trumpet, 1948-2001, and Principal Trumpet. Emeritus, 2001-04. Mr. Clevenger was a featured soloist on several CSO recordings, including works by Martin, Schumann, Britton, and Mozart. He also played on the Grammy Award-winning record, The Atiphanal Music of Gabrielli, with the brass ensemble of the Chicago, Philadelphia, and Cleveland orchestras. He recorded horn concertos by Joseph and Michael Haydn, with the Franz Liszt Chamber Orchestra of Budapest, as well as Mozart's Horns Concertos on two separate releases, each of which was Grammy nominated. He also performed with Barenboim and colleagues from the CSO and the Berlin Philharmonic on the Grammy-winning CD of Quintets for Piano and Winds by Mozart and Beethoven. With Barenboim and Perlman, uh, he recorded Brahms' Horn Trio for Sony Classical. He performed on the Tribute to Ellington, released with Barenboim and other members of the orchestra, and his recording of Strauss's first horn concerto with Barenboim and the CSO also won a Grammy Award. John Williams wrote a horn concerto for him, which he performed with the CSO under the baton of the composer in 2003. Also a conductor, Mr. Clevenger served as music director of the Elmhurst Symphony Orchestra for 14 years. His conducting con uh, career included guest appearances with the New Japan Philharmonic, Shanghai Symphony Orchestra, Civic Orchestra of Chicago, Roosevelt University Symf Symphony Orchestra, Toronto Conservatory Orchestra, Northwestern U University Summer Symphony, Western Australia Symphony Orchestra, Osaka Philharmonic, National Philharmonic of uh, Slovakia and Bratislava, Sinfonia Krakowia, and the Opel Philharmonic in Poland, and the Bartzelville, Oklahoma Symphony Orchestra. In 2011, he conducted the uh, Valladolid, Spain, Symphony Orchestra with Daniel Barenbaum as soloist. Teaching was an integral part of Mr. Clevenger's life, and horn players who studied and coached with him won positions in some of the world's most prestigious ensembles. Over the years, he taught at Northwestern University, Roosevelt University, and the Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University. He also gave recitals and master classes throughout the world in Italy, Spain, Germany, Belgium, Australia, and Switzerland, Finland, Norway, Sweden, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, Canada, and Israel. In 1985, he received an honorary doctorate 
from Elmhurst College. Before joining the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, Mr. Clevenger was a member of Leopold Stokowski's America's Symphony Orchestra and the Symphony of the Air, directed by Alfred Wallenstein. He also was principal horn of the Kansas City Philharmonic. He appeared as soloist with orchestras worldwide, including the Berlin Philharmonic. Mr. Clevenger participated in numerous music festivals, including the Santa Fe Chamber Music Festival, Florida Music Festival, and Sarasota, Marrowstone Music Festival in Bellingham, Washington, Athenus Music Festival in Japan, and the Jerusalem International Chamber Music Festival. Additionally, he worked with the European Community Youth Orchestra under Claudio Abado and participated in countless International Horn Society workshops. In February 2013, when he announced plans to retire, Mr. Clevenger wrote this to his colleagues in the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Quote, You are truly some of the finest musicians on the planet. To have had the pleasure and privilege of making music and sharing the stage with you in thousands of concerts is a sweet memory I shall cherish. I encourage you to do everything possible in your power to keep my Chicago Symphony Orchestra the best of the best. In Orchestra Hall on June 10th, 2013, members of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, under the batons of Clevenger and Ricardo Muti, performed an appreciation concert for their longtime colleague. As part of the program, several musicians put together a tribute, and that video is below. He is survived by his wife, Giovanna, his four children, Michael, Amy, Mac, and Jesse, and his, and his two granddaughters, Cameron and Leah. His late wife of 25 years, Alice, passed away in 2010. 2011, excuse me. Details for services are pending. So that is what the Chicago Symphony Orchestra has to kindly write. And, uh, I mean, what more can you really say about the man's accomplishments? Grammy winner, Grammy nominated multiple times. I think as far, I think he told me that he has, he's been a part of 700 CD recordings within his lifetime. Uh, and the, of course, the majority of those is with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, he's traveled the world like he was, he was known worldwide. So when news broke out, you know, on the sixth that he passed, oh man, I like, I couldn't pull up Instagram or Facebook of just people that I know and of organizations that I know who were expressing and feeling the same thing that I am right now. And for me to mourn, um, the last time I did so was about two and a half years when my uncle Mort passed away. And while I was mourning him, I was more mourning the pain that I was witnessing my father and my mother went through who, you know, lost a brother. And uh, while some may think, well, your mother was just, you know, a sister-in-law, I, you wouldn't know, but they actually basically grew up together. They essentially lived in the same neighborhood, went to the same school. 
So it's been a while since I've felt this feeling and the shock of it uh, just caused me to go a little bit off the wagon, but I'm getting back on it. And that's the important thing is to be able to get back on that wagon. So, like I said before I read the article, it was, um, it was a shock for me to get into Indiana University's Jacobs School of Music. I went on a limb. I, I, I think, um, I know that Shelby was the one that said, no, go for it. Go high, uh, go, go audition, see what happens. So I, okay, fine. I signed up for the very last day that you could audition at the second to last time slot of that entire time, that entire, uh, you know, time that they were hosting auditions in order to get into the school of music. I had no idea how many positions were open. And at the time I already, uh, was accepted to another university. Uh, it would have been a private university, which is fine. I've never done a private before, but I knew of the caliber and the infamacy that was with, um, with the Jacobs. And I say that because when I was first going there, it was Dale Clevenger. It was Dr. Richard Serafinoff and it was Jeff Nelson, who were the three horn professors over at IU. For those of you who don't know, Jeff Nelson is a man who has great world. He's an incredible musician, a fearless musician, which is why he created the thing Fearless Performance, uh, which is amazing and applies so much more than just being a musician. It, it can apply anywhere and everywhere. Uh, even in business, you have a meeting going up, you need to pitch an idea. That pitch is a performance and you need to be fearless. You need to be confident and you need to know exactly what you're presenting and how you're going to say it, how you're going to, uh, represent yourself, your body language, everything like that needs to be prepared. And not only as a businessman, not only as an athlete, a dancer, an actor or a musician, it all applies and entwines. But yeah, uh, Jeff Nelson, for the second time now, before I auditioned there, it was announced that he was reinstated as the horn player for the Canadian Brass. And if you don't know who the Canadian Brass is, they are one of the top brass quintets in the world. They have a large history. They have a plentiful amount of CDs. And the fact that Jeff is the returned to that position just as a testament to his own playing ability. And then Dr. Serafinoff is also a great world-class musician. Unfortunately, due to a lip injury, he, he cannot play as much or as he was able to in his youth. But my God, when that man does play, his technique is still flawless and it's amazing. Uh, he not only teaches and does a bunch of uh, academic stuff, but he also makes his own natural horn. Uh, just all he makes natural horns and crooks like they did way back in the day, handmade stuff. I've seen his workshop, uh, and it's it's lovely. 
So I already knew going to audition for that school, it was going to be difficult. Like it's obviously there is the teachers. I already know that Jacobs was one of the best schools within the country to go to. And uh, on a whim, went and auditioned. And that's when I actually saw and met these wonderful musicians for the first time. And I, um, I was overwhelmed and shocked by how open and funny and welcomed they were and that they are, uh, and especially when I first met, uh, professor Clevenger, he, um, He made you feel comfortable. I didn't feel any type of judgment coming from him. I was able to at least bond with him a little bit because, you know, he asked me where I was from, which is fine and understandable. People come from all around the world in order to audition into Jacobs. So when I told him that I was from a northwest suburb of Chicago, I think he kind of liked that. That and also he, he instantly <laughs> enjoyed my voice as... Um, as people do upon first meeting me. And he was not shy to bring it up either. Saying how I could be, you know, um, in commercials and et cetera, et cetera. But when uh, I was accepted, I, one, was shocked. Because again, it was just a, I went on a limb I was the second to last person to audition and, and they kept me. So of course I went and I requested to be under his tutelage and it was granted. And from that moment on, from my first lesson to when I graduated, even after I graduated, I guess he and I started to, uh, have a bond which was different, I suppose, from uh, the rest of his students. And I don't know exactly why that was. I don't have all the answers, and I can't ask him anymore. So I can only speculate these things. I think one of the things that separated me from his students was... Um, was, yes, indeed, my voice, but not just because I had the voice, but because I am actively, and when I was a part of the university, I was actively pursuing it. I was trying to become a voice actor and a narrator, and at the time, I was a part of a talent agency trying to get that trained up and, and get some acting jobs. And he, he was ecstatic by that. He said to me, you know, I've never had a student who was pursuing such a career. And I never had a student who I felt could be a heavy. And a heavy meaning, you know, uh, someone that could be in the movies, like a good guy, a lead role, a star. He was supportive of me pursuing that. And I even went to him one lesson and I said you know I'm kind of torn I don't really know what to do and he said what do you mean and I said well 
I have a passion for music and I love music, but I'm finding myself kind of wanting to go more towards the line of voice acting and narration. And he said, that's fine. Do it. Music will always be in your heart. Music will always be here for you. But do what makes you do what you feel is right for yourself. There was no discrimination. There was no pain. There was no, well, how dare you come here and get an education with me and, and to not use it. No, he was so supportive. And I guess that kind of showed to the other horn players because uh, friends of mine who I'm still in contact with after graduating who are part of Clevenger's studio, they noticed that um, Clevenger was a little more friendly and open with me. Like, um, Clevenger every so often would come up to me after we say hello and he would he would do like like uh, some gentle like hand slaps on my cheek and say my boy um there was a time where i was i was really down i was just i was out of sorts uh and depressed and it eventually got word to him because i was missing some classes uh, and so he i think he called me and he said hey so what's what's going on I said, well, I'm just, I'm just feeling this. He says, okay, let's talk about it. What are you doing tomorrow morning? I said, nothing. Why? He's like, okay, we're going to go and we're going to have breakfast together and we're going to talk. And that's exactly what we did. He and I, he bought me breakfast and he and I ate and chat for about an hour and a half, just talking about, you know, what was currently irking us and bothering each other. Uh, there was another time where I was going through some financial difficulties and wasn't sure where to come up with the money in order to be able to pay for rent and Zin lesson and I was expressing this to him without hesitation. He just said, how much is your rent? And I said, oh, it's about this. He's like, I can give you that if you want. Just straight up offered to pay for my rent no hesitation no loan he would have just given me the money i found it by you know another means but the fact that he just offered that and i want to say that he would offer and say that to any and all of his students that he had who were under um, financial trouble or emotional trouble i do believe he is that type of man he was that type of man. But, um, during the pandemic was, uh, a bit rough for him as well, just because, you know, he died when he was 81. So he was 79, 80 when the pandemic hit and he, he took that seriously. Uh, he did not want to return to his office, even though a lot of his stuff that he normally uses for teaching was at his office. And because of where I lived and where I moved to, while I was still finishing up my master's degree, he actually lived about five, six minutes away from me. A quick drive, very quick drive. And one of the things that I knew that I was, you know, a little more on his good side, I suppose, <laughs> is that um, 
uh, I think during our first Zoom lesson that we had for my, uh, for one of my semesters, he said to me, you know, you, you live pretty close by, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. He said, you know what we can do? We can have our lessons in person in my front yard, six feet away. How does that sound? I said, that sounds lovely. So for about a month and a half or so, every week I'd be out there on his front lawn and we would have our lessons, just a free concert uh, to his neighbors in the neighborhood. <laughs> and then we would, uh, he would have music on the stand for me, like, you know, paper clipped down and it would be duets. And so we would either play the entire lesson doing nothing but duets, or we would end uh, uh, our lesson playing duets. And I was sight reading and he was just killing it. <laughs> 80 years old and still a beast on horn. Yeah. You know, the, the fun thing about him too is that all the things that I heard about him and about Jacobs were absolutely wrong. I heard that Clevenger was, you know, a mean man, uh, would berate and, and, and just tear you down without building you up. And I heard that Jacobs was such a toxic environment that students would sabotage other students' instruments in order to be able to get a better chair for their auditions into the ensembles. And you know what? All that is absolutely false. Jacobs is a large environment, even though it's at such a small location of IU. But everyone there is fine. Everyone there is friendly. I got along with my fellow classmates, despite being the old man. <laughs> and Clevenger was nothing but a sweetheart to me. Nothing but a kind man. Nothing but a gentle giant. And maybe he bit, he did bite some heads off of some students. I don't know if it was provoked. I don't know if he had a bad morning or, or a bad time that time. But for me, he, um, I could consider him a friend. I still do. And I consider him um, a rare relationship. And a relationship that I wish... I had thought about and knew better since I graduated because uh, after I graduated, I still would have remained uh, more communicative with him because there was a time where uh, we actually, Shelby and I actually cooked a couple of meals for him. I think it was Christmas um, 2019 or 2020. I forget which. But one of the Christmases, it was probably 2020, you know, during the pandemic. But one of those Christmases, um, literally Christmas Day, he was, you know, he was in his home in the United States, or at least in Indiana, because he also has one in Chicago. But he was basically isolated, because pandemic, in his Indiana home. And he couldn't see his family. His wife was in Italy and neither of them could go and see each other personally for the holidays. 
Um, Shelby and I decided for that Christmas, we we're going to have a untraditional Christmas meal and we we're going to go ahead and just have a big seafood Christmas meal. I mean, Shelby whipped up her, her Cajun shrimp, which is delicious, uh, regular shrimp. I whipped up my, uh, garlic honey salmon recipe, uh, which if I serve that to Shelby at any time, that salmon is gone <laughs> in like two minutes. She, she enjoys the recipe, but once we caught wind, cause at the time I was, you know, I was helping him cause he didn't want to go out as much as possible. He's an old man. He didn't want to risk, you know, uh, getting groceries or his prescription. So I would, I would take his card and I would pick up his groceries for him. I would take out his recycling. There was one time I even picked up a couple of prescriptions for him. Luckily, the pharmacist probably thought that I was, you know, a, a son or a nephew of the man, just, just something because, you know, I'm, I'm younger asking for, uh, pills for a 80 year old man, grandson probably. But once we found out, you know, he's not going to have any family over, he's not going to have, you know, a big like Christmas home cooked meal. Shelby said, let's cook dinner for him. Let's, let's give him something positive in which to remember this holiday this year. So we did exactly that. We, uh, made a little more portions. We divided up the food accordingly, and he got this wonderful <laughs> seafood Christmas meal. And he loved it. All both of the meals that I brought to him, it was that it was that Christmas meal, and we also made him uh, hobo dinner. And if you don't know what hobo dinner is, super easy recipe. You just get like a pound of ground beef. You put it on patty form on a on tin foil, and you make it kind of large. And then you combine onions, carrots, and potatoes, and you spice them up. You know what have you. And then you put all that, all those vegetables on the patty, you wrap it up in tin foil, you put it in the oven, let it bake for, I don't know, like, uh, 40 to 50 minutes on like 400 to 420 in the oven. And you come out and you just open it up and voila, there, there's food and it's delicious. And he really liked that too. So he was, um, now that he's passed and I've had time in which to reflect, you know, who he was, how great of a man he was, how much he supported me, how kind he was to me. Um, I wish I, I wish I kept in contact with him more frequently. I wish that I realized sooner the bond that we had and how I could really talk to him about anything. Like I asked him some personal stuff, like, you know, I asked him about, you know, his, his late wife, Alice, a couple of times. And, uh, I asked him, you know, how much do you still make royalties off of those CDs and how much <laughs> And the gentleman that he was, he didn't disclose an exact amount, but you know, uh, he's just, he's just like, oh, yeah, they're there. I'm like, okay. 
And some of the conversations that he would have with me in, in my lessons, there were times where he was like, hey, turn, turn your recorder off uh, when I say this. Or sometimes he would forget that I was recording. So I have some, uh, I don't want to say sensitive, but I, I have memories of him that I don't think he would share to anyone or just anyone, I should say. And something that um, myself and other people notice is that he loved attempting to imitate my, uh, my voice. He would do it all the time, almost every time I saw him. And he would always make other people aware of um, how low my voice was. He would, uh, every masterclass, every Zoom masterclass where we had a guest and I would ask a question, and he would, he would, um, he'd definitely point out and he'd say, now I want you to listen to, to his voice again. Do you, do you hear his resonance and, and how deep it is? <laughs> Evidently, uh, I forget who it was, but there was another, uh, friend of his who, who joined on uh, one of our Zoom masterclasses. And I guess Arnold Jacobs, the uh, the tuba player of the CSO, uh, former tuba player of the CSO, I guess Jacobs had a bit of a deep voice as well. Uh, so I was actually told to uh, say, no, check is just fine. <laughs> but that... That is Clevenger, uh, a dear man, a lovely friend, just a lovely human being who worked his ass off when he was young in order to be able to be a part of the best orchestra that he would, that he could be, and he succeeded. He earned it. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a prodigy. You know, he didn't pick up the horn and everything worked for him. He picked up the horn, he struggled. Like everyone else's, like the most people do on horn. But he worked his ass off and he knew at the first sound of the French horn, that's what I, that's what I want. That's the instrument that I want to play. And he did it. He loved music. He loved the French horn. He loved the sound of it and the pursuit of it. So that's what he did. And my God, did he succeed. So that's the man. That was my friend. May he rest in peace. I'm sure he knew just how treasured he was to so many people and to so many institutions and organizations. He's still going to inspire people as the generations go on and as more horn players come. He's, um, he's going to be missed and he's not going to be forgotten. Certainly by many many hundreds if not thousands thousands my god the dude had thousands of students within his lifetime so the requiescat in pace well i don't have anything else planned uh, for the podcast 
I just wanted to talk about my friend and why the podcast was off. Because yesterday, last night, last night I didn't stream. I just, it's morning. Like I was able to stream on Thursday, but that's because I was still under like the shock of it. And then the next day, like the realization, it, it just hit hard. It just hit hard. Harder than I thought. But I'm going to try and do better for him, uh, at least when it comes to my horn. And you know what? If I ever do make it as a voice actor and as a narrator, I know that he would be proud and he would, for everyone, you would always call him Mr. Clevenger, Professor Clevenger. It wasn't until you got like a big orchestra gig or you made it uh, successfully within whatever field it was that you were in. He would look at you and he would say, now you can call me Dale. <laughs> so I hope to be able to call him Dale one day, maybe when I get my first big voice acting gig or how even just an acting gig. But one day, but thank you, Mr. Clevenger for, for everything. It was an honor and a privilege to just met you, but then to have the relationship that we did. It's truly an honor, without a doubt. Uh, I need to practice my horn. Anyway, that is the podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, the podcast is found and premieres here on Twitch at Fapism Plays. It's found on YouTube at Fapism Plays, and then it is found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the Frankly Speaking on Fridays podcast. Um, go ahead and please follow in order to keep up with the new episodes, which will come out every Friday <laughs> to the best of my ability. Also, you can email the podcast at fsofpodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and send me topics of interest, articles uh, that may be worth the time to read or discuss on the podcast. Tell me how you're doing or just say hello. That's fine too. fsofpodcast at gmail.com. So with that said, I'm going to get off. Everyone, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening. Remember to keep practicing no matter what it is, so long it doesn't hurt you or anyone else. I'm going to practice getting back into my schedule in mourning in a more healthier manner than just drinking. So, yeah, that's the podcast. Thank you again. Take care of yourselves. And until next time, au revoir.